I remember actually thinking, this is hell. This is the last thing I want to spend my Saturday doing, knowing that we had to wake up so early because we had to drive all the way to Santa Ana, like right when they opened so that we could have a full day of picketing if need be. You're listening to Pop Apologists, and today we finally announce a very exciting turn of events in Chandler's world. We recount in blistering detail the time that as children, our mother made us actually picket a tile company, and yes, Deb makes an appearance on today's pod. We passionately debate if Stassi's ring is a dream piece of bling or a grandma jewelry, and of course, reenact the dramatic speech Aaron gave about his healing abilities at Kyle Richards' dinner. Buckle in, baby. Well, 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 we're back. It's episode five. Coming at you live, it's Chandler. It's Lauren. And we're officially actually not live. But that was a good intro. I like the well, well, well. I think that the, I think well, well, well is going to be like our thing. Sure. Okay. I can see that. So we'll, we'll put that in the notes. Well, 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 we're locked. I mean, I'm not sure if people need that written down, but it definitely, I think we've started out every episode with well, well, well. You know, we can't make very many promises to our listeners, but we can make that promise that every episode will start with well, well, well. That's the one form of consistency that our listeners have in their lives. <laughs> it's not a stable supply chain of Mm-mm. groceries or yeast for bread. It's well, well, wells coming at you every Wednesday, potentially at 9 p.m. Yeah, Wednesday, early Thursday. You'll get it eventually. Should we address that right off the bat? What's going on? Yeah, let's just let's get it out there. Let's be transparent with our process. Consumers really do value transparency in this modern age. Exactly. Consumers want brands that um, are more than just a brand and that you know truly have a persona one that's honest and authentic and I think we need to bring that to our brand okay let's do it in the spirit of ultimate transparency we are the Everlane of podcasts <laughs> while we say that this podcast is released on Wednesdays that might mean Wednesday at 11:58 Pacific Standard Time mm-hmm. I would say that releasing this podcast every Wednesday has been a really great thing to have announced because it's definitely held us accountable to get it out there but I I have taken that more of a spirit of the law other than letter of the law commandment and have definitely I'm the person in charge of publishing this pod And I have definitely struggled to get it out there Wednesday at midnight, but that is my goal. And we are officially recording this earlier in the week. So audience, just rest assured, rest assured, we're going to have this out Wednesday at midnight, come hell or high water, truly. Come hell or high water, we're going to have this out at midnight on Tuesday night when the clock strikes midnight. Whoa. Tuesday night when the clock strikes midnight, (laughs) Wednesday is upon you. Pop Apologist will be released. I'm committing to this. And here's the thing. I have not kept myself totally accountable to this because I didn't really realize people were listening to this podcast. So it hasn't seemed like, oh no, like a huge responsibility. I've definitely thought like, oh, maybe this week someone will tune in eventually and then it'll already be up. 100%. But I did have a friend tell me that her phone, something's wrong with her phone because our podcast wasn't coming out till every Thursday. And so that's when I realized, okay, there is an audience. Actually, there's an audience of one listening and I do need to be held accountable. Shout out Caprice. Shout out to our dear Caprice. We love you, Caprice. We love you. Okay, so 
you know, with that addendum or caveat, if you will, let's get started. Let's go. Let's do it. We have so much to get into today. This is actually a very exciting episode. It is an exciting episode. It's episode five. <laughs> and episode five and half of 10. <laughs> and 10% of 50. Uh, yeah, exactly. A fifth of 25. 1% of 500. This is where my, <laughs> this is where my math skills break I know. Down. I, I ran out after my one number. Okay, well um, let's let's dig in. What are we gonna start with? Let's go let's go personal right now. Okay, let's go personal. Are you ready to give your revelation? You guys, everyone out there, Pop Apologist listeners, we have been holding back. There has been news in the ether. There have been things happening, but we couldn't talk about it. And I have been dying, dying to dish about this on the pod. Are you ready? I barely. Okay, well, um, Pop Apologists, as I have been toiling away in the unemployment line, Chandler <laughs> has been, she has been actually interviewing for new jobs. I think we all knew, actually. We had been talking about that she had, like, one innocuous interview with a tech giant. Here's well, what I'm, our- I'll interject very quickly. When I, when we recorded episode one, I did not know what was going to come of said interview. We thought they were doing you a favor. Mm-hmm. Like it was a fun experience for you. Like it this was, like, was going to be really a good resume builder. Like was considered by X company for a job. <laughs> it was going to be a bragging right that you did the interview process. Definitely, that's all I saw it as until it actually panned out. So Chandler is officially employed by Mark Zuckerberg. It's very exciting. It happened fast and slow. I interviewed uh, a little bit ago, and then. I didn't know if it was going to happen, and then it all happened, and I quit my job on Friday, my job with of two years. I don't think that in life everything is fair and that everything always pays off. I think that you hope so, but you never know what's going to happen. But this is certainly a situation where hard work really paid off, so it's really it's really awesome to see. I feel really lucky to have gotten this new job, especially like moving to a new city. It'd be really exciting because I have a lot of friends in San Francisco. Shout out Tara. My best friend lives there. Uh, and it's always been my dream to go live. Shout out. Shout out Alex. Alex does not live in San Francisco and he does not. Oh yeah, that's right. He lives, in, he lives in Texas. I forgot. Shout out Redacted. Shout out Redacted. <laughs> Wait, and then you were going to say you're also, your other dream has been what? Oh, I was just going to say my, I've always, every time I go and visit her, my dream has always been to live in the same city with her. So I got this job for you, Tara. And if you do not make living there really enjoyable, then it will all be for nothing. Yeah, I mean, going to work for like one of the top companies across the world in a probably a global depression, that's not enough, Tara. She really needs you to make it a glittering experience. So yeah, pressure's on, baby. This is just what it is. So anyways, that's my update. It's been a crazy week, but I'm really excited. And if anyone knows of any great apartments in San Francisco or anyone who is not crazy and super clean and doesn't have any pets who wants me as a roommate, let me know. Slide into our DMs, please. I mean, I know you want to move on, but I do have something to say about this whole thing. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Congratulations are over. I think that I am excited to celebrate the birth of your new future at Facebook, mm-hmm. but I do want to talk about a death that is happening. Oh I want to talk about the fact that we need to mourn the death of your life as a funny person because I'm not Excuse sure me. how you're. I'm not sure how you're going to handle not being able to joke about being broke anymore. That has been <laughs> your go-to trope <laughs> since you literally came out of the birth canal. 
Wow. Or started paying your own bills. Okay. Being low-key the broke sister really what really has been your identity. I really feel scared for you and wonder just how Wow. How are you gonna be funny <laughs> with a little cash in your pocket? Because I, we're not saying that you're about to be a millionaire. Um, you're not like shopping for homes in the Pacific Palisades. You're not like <laughs> buying the house next door to Kylie Jenner, but you're officially no longer broke as hell. I would like to think that I'm, that my humor is multifaceted and that there's more to me than just the fact that I was, you know, essentially living in poverty for the past five years. I mean, I would like to think that I'm still employed right now, but you know, there's wishes and there's reality. I just really think you need to think long and hard about how you're going to make other people smile around you without joking about Payment plans. Payment plans, <laughs> Venmo requests, without <laughs> but, that bit of relatability to really lubricate all of your social interactions. Uh-huh. I'm also concerned that you're going to forget that you make money because, you know, you, this has been kind of your thing for so long. Like, I'm concerned that you're going to be at dinner with at like a, maybe a family friend's home. And okay. you're going to still say, like, at the end of the meal, like, do you mind if I pack some of this up for la- for okay. and take it with me? Okay. Let me just, let's, 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 let's revisit that story. I cannot believe you pulled that one out. <laughs> okay. 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 Shut up. First of all, that was at an, an intimate, intimate okay. family gathering. I'll tell the story. I'll tell the story. We were, we were at a family our dear sister, Courtney Grow, her her husband, Wyatt, his family is amazing. They're some of the sweetest, warmest people you'll ever meet in your life. And yep. they have a family dinner every Sunday at their home. And when we were college students, we were always invited. And Chandler, at her at the first meal when she got to Provo. Okay, not the, the very first meal. I would like to 100%. Let the record state it was not the very first meal. Okay, well, now you're perjuring yourself in front of the eyes <laughs> of the law because it was. It was the very no, first No, it was not. Meal. It was Lauren hand you on had, the Bible. It was not. I, don't Bible me, okay? It was. It, it might not have been your first family dinner, but it was the first time when you were ra- like a college student there for dinner. No, it was maybe the fifth, sixth, seventh time. Okay, well, another great podcast is called Revisionist History, and I'm sure Malcolm Gladwell will do a whole, a whole yeah, episode like, on this. I'd on like this to do topic. that with him, and I'd like to bring Judy Grow into the equation because I'm sure she could speak on my behalf. Okay, well, anyway, long story short, it was the first time she had been there for dinner, and at the end of the meal, we're like helping clean up because that's you know what our mother trained us to do—to be polite house guests—and we're you know we're just packing the food up put in the fridge, wiping down the table. And Chandler, um, with Judy, Wyatt's mother, who made the meal lovingly, shot for the groceries, said, turned to her and said, do you mind if I pack some of this up to bring home with me? Okay. I would like to say that I think I said something more along the lines of, would you mind if I took a little bit of this home with me? I think you said, do you have a doggy bag? <laughs> I think that's actually <laughs> what you said. <laughs> I am like, my face is literally on fire right now because I am so embarrassed about this experience. Your face is the shade of Dwight's beet farm right now. I It truly is. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is that the leftovers probably weren't going to get eaten and me being broke as hell would have loved to have eaten them throughout the week. Like I was eating essentially Eggs that I would cook in the microwave of my, you know, dorm, which was absolutely cursed. And 
you know, whatever else I could scrounge up at the at the Cougar Eat, which was just like a spoonfuls of peanut butter. The most hilarious part about this, well, first of all, when, when it happened, Courtney and I both gave each other like a sideways glance, like, are you kidding me? And then, but what's so funny is Sweet Judy also had her whole family over for Thanksgiving, last Thanksgiving. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw our oldest sister under the bus. When she was there, my oldest sister, she's she doesn't really like to eat during the day. She's like an intermittent fasting vampire. She is. <laughs> there was one point when she was... There was one time with this particular uh, vampira that I was visiting her. She was visiting Utah, and I was also visiting at the time. We were both staying with Courtney. And at the time, she was only eating one meal a day at 11 p.m., <laughs> And she didn't really know my name. Like, we, her and I barely have memories of living in the same house together. So she, she's 36 and you're 24. There's a big yeah. age difference. Big age difference. Like, we just never really clicked until recently. Anyways, she essentially made me drive her to Smith's to go get some bacon. And she proceeded to then make her... She was making herself an entire tray of bacon for that day's meal. <laughs> and... I I was like staying up late and I was like, oh, we're going to get to hang out. She actually wants to like talk to me because like she had me drive her there and she wouldn't have had me drive her there if she like didn't want to chat with me. So we like, I get home and I, you know, I'm just like, she's making her food and I'm just trying to chit chat. And then she essentially shoes me off to bed and she says, night, night, sissy. And then like makes a shooing motion with her hands. Yeah. Like a sh- like get like away now motion with her hands, yes. like flicking her fingers forward. Like goodbye. Truly. And what, didn't she also ask you, oh while gosh. you're a BYU college student, how your your time was at EFY? She, like, I was, I'm, I was about <laughs> to enter into my freshman year at BYU, and she said, "Are you here for EFY?" <laughs> like, no concept of who I am. Probably has no idea to this day how to spell your name. No, definitely but not. But she is, she's a sweet soul, soul at heart. Love Ash. She is amazing and hilarious. But she's idiosyncratic when it comes to all things culinary. We've also come a very long way since then, and now we actually have had, like, several private conversations, just the two of us, which is totally new for us, which is great. Yeah. Milestones for sure. Yeah. But back to Judy's house, when we were all there for the last Thanksgiving, Ashley, who does not love to eat, you know, during during daylight, you know, wanted (laughs) in her mind, she thought it would be socially graceful to at least pretend to eat. But for her, pretending to eat was putting a doll's portion, an actual like Barbie doll's portion of each dish onto the plate. I'm talking for potatoes, picture a a dime size of, of mashed potatoes for chicken. Like Courtney put it best when she said that she essentially just did a swipe of the whatever serving spoon was used for the dish and just she just did like swipes almost like a painter's little palette whatever of uh, of all the dishes and then she proceeded to just twirl her fork around those parts of the plate <laughs> it was so little food and so much white space on the plate <laughs> that if you wanted to do like a a picture of the plate to sell it online you probably could and people wouldn't even notice there was food on it no, there was no. so little food on the plate no Photoshop required. And then she just pushed the food around with her fork. <laughs> so Judy probably thinks that we're either shoveling food into our purse for later or we are not taking a single bite. I would say that the Bledsoe sisters have had some idiosyncratic behaviors in the Grow household. Not really. I mean, that was just a one little blip for you. And it was just funny. It was actually like yeah, totally innocuous in the moment. But it was just it was just funny to make fun of later. I've been nothing but a delight. She did cry. 
when you, when, yes, you've been nothing but a delight. And she did cry when you were leaving college and not going to be living there anymore. Yeah, so she's a really sw- sweet and special. She lady. is so sweet. So anyway, point being, Chandler, remember that you're not broke anymore. Please don't ask for doggy bags when you're at Priscilla's home. No promises. We'll see. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. Too true. Too true. (laughs) Okay, so that was a very big update on my end. Has anything exciting happened for you in the past week? Honestly, I have no updates. (laughs) Nothing has happened. I'm still unemployed in America. I haven't really even been looking for jobs. I've kind of been cruising for the past week. But I will say that my city, San Clemente, has mortified itself (laughs) and been so egregious in its level of irresponsibility. My city has been protesting protesting every weekend right the yes there have basically been riots or serious protests every weekend because people don't want to stay at home you would think you would think that in my city governor newsom was going to people's homes with plywood and staple guns and and drills and drilling them inside their homes and And let's just picture this for a second we're talking beachgoers protesting is there anything worse than men in flip-flops protesting okay this is what i want to speak to exactly and and i'm just gonna say we have serious personal experience because protesting yes because you and i (laughs) have protested before we have we we have held up signs have we not we we have held up signs yes in front of businesses and protested i at one point did uh picket i was on the picket lines (laughs) We were minors. So here's the thing about the protesters in San Clemente. They clearly have not consulted with Deborah Bledsoe because they are violating the number one rule of being a successful protester, which is that you want to appear to, and otherwise in other parts of your life, you want to appear to be a totally normal normal person. Mm -hmm. And not only normal, but you want to appear to be somewhat of a polished person, a person who someone with power driving by would think, wow, that that person looks just like me. They look totally normal and they're clearly very upset. It's going to give them a pause, right? You don't don't want to be the person with rainbow dreadlocks protesting. But so the protesters in San Clemente, they are out in full force. They're wearing their true religion jeans. They, ba- they might as well be, va- be still wearing Von Dutch hats. That's, this is the crew that's out there. They're in their camo. They have their beards down to their navels. They're wearing bootleg, bedazzled jeans. There's just, they're not necessarily... <laughs> they're straight from 2008. They're sporting chunky highlights. You know, highlights that are, it's like one inch of brown, one inch of white. It's this crew. It's the Kelly crew Clarkson. Have- it's Kelly Clarkson. But she shopped at a gas station. That's the crew that's working right now and or protesting right now. And I just want to say, if you consulted with Deborah Bledsoe, she would tell you that if you're protesting, you want people to think that you are polished, you are a contributing member of society, you want them to take you seriously. We'll put this in the show notes, FYI, for people who are listening. We're going to put all these protesting tips in our show notes. We're going to like list them off step by step, like an Elite oh, Daily article, like 10 things call. you must know before protesting. I just remember. So the story goes when we were, I was probably in the eighth grade, you were probably in the fourth grade. And we had some, we had a company called, I think it was a Merino tile or something like that. They, we had a new Marble home built. Or something? Yeah. We had a yeah. new home built in San Clemente and we had a tile company who la- laid the travertine in our home. There was some dispute. 
I don't actually know what happened. The tile was hollow underneath, so it was not properly installed. Okay. You could have paid more attention than I did. Even I mean, I was, was a cognizant fourth grader. I was, you know, aware of my surroundings. I was loved by adults. Okay, well, I was a checked out eighth grader, but all I knew was it was 7 a.m. on a Saturday, and I was in the garage making signs with paint, pen, and glitter saying to boycott this tile company. Mm -hmm. And my mom had us outside their showroom at 9 a.m. in Santa Ana on a Saturday protesting the tile company. And I remember we were getting ready. She had us all dressed as nice as possible. Not necessarily ball gowns, but you know, our hair was done. We were wearing our seven jeans. Mom had her diamond rings on. And she she wanted people to know that we were not just... She wanted us to appear as, you know, normal people who were wronged. Exactly. Not, Not someone just looking for a reason to protest. Yeah. She wanted us to not appear generally unhinged. She wanted us to to appear specifically unhinged, but otherwise stable. Mm-hmm. And so that is my that is my message to protesters everywhere. You want to appear as otherwise stable when you are wearing camo sneakers, camo cargo shorts, an American flag T shirt, and you have a, a beard down to your navel. It's really it's not doing you any favors. I mean. Honestly, I think that if you're protesting COVID right now, then I can't trust any other decision you make, whether that's your fashion or anything else. So before we move on, do you want to speak a little bit to just the general experience of being children picketing a tile company in Santa Ana? Yes, I would love to speak to this experience of mine that I draw upon often. If I need to find a reserve of anger or frustration for corporations, I will go back to this well. Oh, it really struck a chord within us, this tile grievance as children. Definitely. So what I remember from this experience was I was picked up from Vista Del Mar Elementary School and mom had this look in her eye. You know, she was almost twinkling with the prospect of the next day. And she said, tomorrow, children, we are going to go pick it outside of the tile company. And we're going to show them that we won't just take it. Uh, And Totally. (laughs) She really pepped us up. She really did pep us up and driving her Suburban, she drove us straight to Michael's where we got supplies to really take on corporate America. I remember actually thinking, this is hell. This is the last thing I want to spend my Saturday doing, knowing that we had to wake up so early because we had to drive all the way to Santa Ana, like right when they opened so that we could have a full day of picketing if need be. Well, not only that, but she really impressed upon us that we had to look really clean and polished. Mm -hmm. And so we had to get up an hour early, too, to wash and blow dry our hair, curl our hair, just have our clean, clean, presentable clothes on. I mean, yeah, we had to be wearing not church clothes, but, you know, next level, one level down from church clothes. We had to be wearing one level down from church clothes, essentially. It was business casual on that Santa Ana road. And you know what else I remember? So we're on this little like strip of highway or whatever, and we've got our signs out. And I just, I just remember yeah. there wasn't a sidewalk. Like the, there wasn't a sidewalk. Yes, there was no sidewalk for us to rest our weary social justice warrior limbs, our weary activist asses on. <laughs> yes, even better. I, I think that was maybe the most excruciating part was just the seeing, and there was one little tiny like strip of concrete that was probably for like an electrical box or something. And Courtney decided to claim that territory. So there really was 100%. There was no place of rest. And Courtney. maybe that fueled our rage even more. 
I mean, Courtney, I would say, was probably the most defiant of us as kids. Yeah. Um, And I just remember she fully just refused. Like, our mother, there was no outright defiance of Deb. So it was not a situation where we could just say, oh, no, I'm not going. I remember the first time I even realized that a kid could tell their parent no, that they were not going to do something and then proceed to not do it. That wasn't an option in our house. But Courtney, she uh, she protested the protest as much as she could and just sat on that precious strip of concrete where you could actually fit your butt and did not move, held up a sign with like limp jelly arms. That was her only contribution to our activism that morning. I think I'm still kind of mad at her for that. Like, now that you're really bringing this up again, I don't really want to speak to her for, like, maybe a few days because, like, that was so terrible. And there was solidarity and all of us being stuck out there. And she fully (laughs) turned her back on all of us. I mean, our poor dad, who works all week and then has, like, one precious Saturday morning to just chill out in front of the TV or go golf. Nope. Instead, getting socks on at 7 a.m. once again, got to drive to Santa Ana, not to go to court like he does every other day. Yeah, to go protest with his six children, five daughters, one boy. The image of us Orange County kids with our signs held aloft in the air, the outrage in our face. Actually, we weren't very uh, emotionally convicted, I would say. We were just basically like, we were just like marching like 10 feet back and forth, kind of limply holding the signs. I do remember trying to like summon some sort of emotion for this cause and really coming up empty. Wait, do you remember there were fully people who like other moms in Suburbans who would roll down their window and pull over and like mom would tell them her story. Do you remember that? Or people would honk at us. Yeah. I mean, maybe that was kind of exciting that 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 was exciting in your mind how long were we there this is a great question because I want to say that we were picketing for a grand total of an hour and 15 minutes yeah I would say it felt I remember it felt excruciating like Mm -hmm. every moment was so it was hot it was not fun there was nowhere to sit I was always really lazy as a kid actually I wasn't it was hot it was excruciating it was boring It was definitely all of those things. I definitely was lazy as a child, and there was something called a sit-down job. Um, If if our mom had chores for us, it was really clutch if you could get a sit-down job, and those were often requested. Well, because our chores were either a sit-down job, which was long and sustained, and you knew the level of energy output that would have to go into it, and you could multitask. You could listen to music at the same time with your iPod. However, our other chores as kids was extremely short-term, I'm talking 30-second tasks Mm -hmm. that were followed up with having to return to my mother and ask her what we could do. So it was like, okay, take it. There might be a smattering of 50 things on the landing at the top of the stairs. I want you to bring each thing to me and I'll tell you where it goes. Lauren, you just talking about this right now, I am, my whole body is tensing up and I'm starting to feel a little bit ill. So I think we need to just return to what happened at the end of our picketing story because I cannot handle revisiting that part of our childhood. It's full PTSD. Um, I actually hope people know that maybe I already told this story. If not, our mom the other day, while I was on a call video call with my boss, having a professional meeting about a paying client at the ad agency that I still work for, not really you're well anymore, employed by who I'm well employed by. My mom tried to give me a chore 
during this <laughs> and was yelling at me to do a specific task for her. I think it was like, put this washcloth in the laundry room. And I said, I can't do chores right now. I'm talking to my boss. And then she didn't stop. She didn't care. Oh my gosh. Did your boss hear? Did you mute yourself or could you not mute yourself? No, I didn't have time to mute myself. And it was actually really funny. Oh, so, I bet they were dying. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is the picture of the pandemic. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the, the thing that I really want to drive home is that it all sounds like fun and games and funny to listen to, but when you actually get there and you're actually picketing, after about 15 minutes of walking back and forth on the same 20 feet of roadside, it gets very monotonous and very boring. And I just remember it was excruciating. But eventually, the guy came out, and I think it was probably actually only an hour, maybe two hours max into being there, and fully just gave. He was like, "What do you want?" He had a he had. I remember he had a legal pad, mm-hmm. and he, he asked my mom everything she wanted because you know she told him we wouldn't we wouldn't move an inch until they moved miles, mountains really, mountains. And we got every speck of tile that that Deb Bletza wanted. Yeah. You know, she's still very proud of it to this day. She actually has kept the signs in our garage. So if anybody wants to come by and look at them for some motivation, if they want to borrow them to pick at their own t- tile manufacturers, just let us know. Honestly, I just want to say that our mom is so funny and quirky. And there are so many stories growing up that just kill me. But she would always call herself an AC, an aggressive consumer. Like that was kind of – she had bragging rights to be an an AC, an aggressive consumer who got what she wanted. So maybe we'll make that a little bit of a series, stories of the AC in our life. She definitely predated the can I speak to the manager meme in her own way. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Um, Okay, All right, this is an injection in post, an addition in post. Chandler has called me. She's live on my speakerphone with my mother, and I guess there's a detail that was left out of this original tale that they have called to to dish about. Um, Okay, so allegedly, um, according to our mom, who's right here, you can verify, right? You'll verify? Well, I'm not verifying anything until I hear the whole podcast, because honestly... what am I agreeing to? I haven't heard anything. Well, anyways, don't worry about it. Um, Sounds like a lawyer's wife. Yeah, classic. Anywho, we forgot a critical part of the story. And that is that our eldest sister, Ashley, who was away at BYU at the time of the picketing, she was also employed in the scheme because our mom called her and instructed her to call the tile company and say, Hey, what's going on outside of your store? There's a bunch of people protesting. How do you feel about those actions? Do you feel like that was a little bit easy of you to do, Mom? I'm honestly going to call the Better Business Bureau right now. Should you pay back the tile company for this lie? <laughs> I think that she, she should have the tile taken out of the house and given back. Yeah, I, I think so. Full deception. I'm going to play the fifth right here. Is Mom saying nothing? Like, she won't actually... I'm just going to, like, need to plead the fifth because, honestly, at the time, I wanted Ashley to, even though she was away at college, still, like, part of our family. Oh, my gosh. That would just be helpful if she would just call and say, (laughs) hey, what are those people upset about outside their tile store? 
And uh, I was thinking know, of coming by and buying some tile this morning, but I, no, I'm not right, going to. But then I saw their signs, and uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, ingenious! Well, anyway, now that we've got the full, full story, wait, see, you know, there's all about those sides. There's one more cherry on top detail that you texted me earlier. Want to reveal that as oh, well? Yeah, yeah. The cherry on top of this entire masterpiece way before that he was going to have to pay me back for the supplies from Walmart. Did you hear that? <laughs> no, Chen, you're going to have to say it. My, our dear mother, in advance, had, act had actually told the um, manager, owner of this tile company, that he was going to have to pay her back for said poster supplies, <laughs> and that he was holding on to the receipts. When he was writing out the check for like $36,000, I said, and don't forget this. And I pulled the receipt out from Walmart out of my jean pocket. And there you have it. There you have it. Folks. Because mom called them ahead of time and said we were coming and said, not only are you going to replace the tile, but you're going to pay me for the poster supplies. Well, they needed to do the right thing, and I didn't have time to go do the litigation of the court, so I just was exercising my freedom of speech to walk on their sidewalk. I even called the police department <laughs> and made sure that everything was on the I don't know if you remember this, Mom, but there wasn't a sidewalk. Remember that? There was no actual oh, sidewalk. Yeah. I remember the actual panic when we pulled up outside, and I saw there was no sidewalk, and I had all my little kids, and Dad kept saying, you... Freaking hairbrain speech. <laughs> like, when I was mad at me until the guy was writing out the check, that suddenly I was the best wife in the world. 100%. Oh my um, gosh. Well, that about wraps it up. <laughs> in, his, in his Range Rover, he like shoved it in the park, the whole thing jerked, and all the suitcases were in there. I don't believe it. Wait, what happened with the Range Rover? The owner of Marmol Export was at the airport to go to Puerto, Puerto Vallarta. When Larry called him and said she showed up and she's got all her kids on poster boards and they're picketing outside our store on State College. And so he had to drive from the airport with the checkbook to come write me a check because I said we weren't leaving until I had the money in my hand. I mean, <laughs> my, honestly, I was just exercising my constitutional right. Maybe having Ashley fall, I'd entered into a gray area. <laughs> How long yeah. were we actually picketing for? Like, how long did it take? Uh, um, did Courtney pick it, or did she just sit there? Oh, Courtney, wh wh what's your memory of that? Uh, I think there was a few people who were less than excited to hold their signs, but Chandler was all in. <laughs> did Chandler get a cut? No, do you think she get my cut now? <laughs> yeah, probably, just a little bit. An egocentric gratitude text. <laughs> okay, this is... Addendum. The other day we're having. I opened it. <laughs> okay, Lauren, I'm gonna go. Wait, wait, what? Don't say it. Now you have to say it. Okay, the other mom. I always get um. Okay, I'm not. I'm, wait, I'll tell it on the next one. Okay, love you. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. That said, what do you say we do some reality show highlights from the week?
I think we do some highlights and as a note to our listeners, we're just going to do our favorite parts. No need for a recap. You've seen the shows. We don't need to go scene by scene. So we're just going to talk about, you know, some of the best segments. Exactly. Starting with VPR. What did you think of Stassi's engagement? Okay. For starters, I want to know, do you think she knew that it was happening that day? I do Here's not. my... Okay. Do you? Here's my case. I think that particular outfit was very well thought out. And this is why oh. I think that top was like pretty timeless. It was a cute polka dot. It was an interesting like neckline. So I thought the top was really pretty and would look beautiful like up against a ring. A, for that reason, I feel like she knew. B, I think she was also kind of dressed down like perfectly. Like she just had the cutoffs on. And so it was like, oh, I don't totally, I'm not going to like pretend like I actually know, no, but I have an idea. And I just felt like her reaction was not that surprised. So what's your counter? It's so interesting because Stassi is a mystery to me because I know she has a dime to spend Mm-hmm. And sometimes her style is so bad, it's shocking to me, but sometimes it's so good. So I'm really, it's really, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. The polka dot shirt was straight out of TJ Maxx. Really? I actually thought it was cute. I like it. Really? With the high neck and the chiffon material? Yeah. I thought it was cool. Like the, the two-tone nature of it. I thought it was cool. I don't like, I didn't like it with the cutoffs. It was like, what? Like it, that felt like two different worlds clashing, but, but okay, I, I didn't mind getting- it. You think, okay, you're getting engaged and you're going to want to be in polka dots the rest of your life. You're going to look at pictures of the day you're engaged and see polka dots. Okay. This is, uh, to me, it just seemed a little timeless. Like polka dots are just timeless. Like, I'm not saying they're something I want to wear all the time, but they're timeless. Ugh, no. Linen. Like, a gray linen um, petticoat? That's timeless. A gray (laughs) linen petticoat? Are you, like, a part of the British Army? I'm just saying, like, (laughs) I would say more organic fabric in a, in a neutral tone like something that doesn't re- do in, in parachute sheets something that doesn't require a screen printer that's timeless um, it didn't look like a cheap shirt though it looked like a cheap shirt to me and okay. I do think here's the thing I do think she was surprised but I also felt like the reaction was underwhelming yes Another- I totally agreed with you there. And I'm shocked that you're saying that. We haven't talked about this at all yet, but I'm surprised that you also thought it was underwhelming. So essentially, like I've said before, I'm a Bo stan. I think Bo is a great guy. I think their love is incredibly real. And that proposal just totally was a letdown, was a total letdown. I don't feel like he said anything that was particularly poignant or tender. He just kind of said stuff you just say in a proposal. Nothing that felt specific to Stassi or to their love. And maybe that's why her like reaction was pretty like, you know, standard. It just felt very standard. Also, maybe because it was over so quickly. I mean, it was like a 15 second ordeal from start to finish. It just didn't feel all that special to me. It was cool that it was in a graveyard and that's, you know, something she's into. But other than that, it just didn't feel all that special. Also, maybe it's like daytime proposals, broad daylight proposals are maybe weird for me. It's I, don't a know. Hun- I was literally thinking as you were talking, Chandler Bledsoe, literally thinking the whole reason why it was underwhelming was because it was in the harsh light of day. Uh-huh. Yeah. If it had been sunset and the light had been streaming behind them and he had uttered four more sentences yep. of sweet, thoughtful remarks, it would have been breathtaking. Yeah. But it was. It was too fast and it was like on a bench in the harsh light of day 
2 p.m. sun. She was squinting. Yeah, it was it was totally anticlimactic in, in the way it all went down. And I don't know. I think if you're going to go the surprise route, I wouldn't do like, oh, what's this box on the floor? I would do something where you force the – like the girl stumbles on something. Like you got to be more ingenious about it. You got to make her pick it up and find the ring or like – be more it was too leading of a surprise it was clumsy my feeling is either be on a cliff overlooking the ocean at sunset get on one knee and do a romantic speech that's gorgeous or if you're gonna go the surprise route go full surprise but Mm -hmm. it definitely it felt like half-assed surprise yeah in my mind I think Bo thought of where he was going to propose and then stopped after that all he thought was, I don't want her to know I'm proposing. And and I, yeah, he thought of where. And then any details beyond that were not really considered. I do want to say, I think that in these really climactic moments of your life, sometimes it is like, I feel like maybe she all of a sudden felt a lot of pressure to react because there were cameras right there. I kind of wondered mm-hmm. like, like I'm a person, I cry at negative stuff all the time, but I don't really positively cry. Like I'm not a positive crier. When something really yeah. good happens, I don't really cry ever. And I think sometimes people feel pressured to cry or give some type of crazy reaction. It's funny because I actually feel the, uh, the exact same way. And I feel like if I need to kind of have a positive cry, like if the moment is really that big, I feel like I have to take myself to a dark place and then I ha- and then like enjoy the the joy of that moment. Like I remember when I got into BYU, which now feels like well, forever ago. I remember f- feeling like, oh my gosh, like you literally thought this wasn't going to happen your entire life. <laughs> like it was the only thing that could make me cry was just like the dread and like the shame that I had felt at the potential of not getting in my entire life. And so it's so funny. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if that's a common thing. Cause I always have admired people who cry at positive stuff, who cry when like really good things happen to them or their friends or like when a, a baby's born or whatever, like, oh, like yeah, I'll I'm cry obsessed at with my, will you? Cause uh, I'm very obsessed with our niece and nephew and our nieces and nephews. <laughs> wow. She just forgot about the latest set of twins that were born. Okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that you are not as obsessed with them as I am. They're new to the family. I'm obsessed with our progeny. But I will say <laughs> that I didn't cry at any of their births. Oh, I don't I did. know. Did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's funny that you don't remember that. It's just, I think oh, it's okay. funny that we were both in the delivery, that we were in the delivery room for both James and Louie. And you don't remember me like crying. It was kind of like my moment. Yeah, that is funny that I remember that. Maybe you didn't actually. Another moment of revisionist history. (laughs) Okay, well, let's let's move on to another aspect of this proposal. Keep it moving. Quite possibly the most important aspect of any proposal. The ring. Oh, yeah, the ring. We haven't talked about this. We have not. I think you're going to love it. (laughs) You think I'm going to love the ring? (laughs) Just kidding. I hated it. I absolutely hated really? it. Really? I thought yeah, it was gorgeous. Thought... Are you actually for real? Yeah, I'm for I mean, okay. It's not the ring I would pick for myself because I don't love platinum. But other than that, I think it's stunning. Like, I think it's basically almost a perfect ring. Are you? I think you're lying. No, I'm serious. I literally thought it was like, like I was so let down by it. <gasps> if you're going to go the... with an antique cut, it's gorgeous. Mm. That's so interesting. No, are you looking at pictures of it right now? Yeah, I'm just like reminding. No, no, we're not interested. Isn't it a vintage Tiffany ring? No, it's. I, I don't know. It was a. It's a combination of like his aunt and somebody else. Is I think what he said. I don't know. I wasn't that impressed with it, but whatever. 
I um, I'm not getting proposed to anytime soon. I follow this jeweler on Instagram called Victor Barbone, and they're like it's an antique jeweler ring company. So I think I see a lot of antique jewelry a lot, and so that's why maybe mm. I'm more primed for this. I do actually think it's I do think it's really pretty. I'm gonna stand okay. behind that. Okay. Well, it wouldn't probably- be what I would choose, but it is. I do think like if I was proposed to with that ring, I would be so thrilled. I think it's beautiful. <sighs> I would be like. Honestly, let down. <laughs> we, I mean, it's four carats, Chandler. Yeah, but I just—it looks like an old person ring. It, I okay. like vintage. I like vintage things, but that doesn't even look vintage. It just looks old. It looks dated, well, and not yeah. in a fun way. Not in a fun way. Not in art in an Art Deco way. Yeah. I just yeah, have I think better taste. Yeah, I think rings are tricky, but I definitely thought. I mean, have you seen? Have you seen Lala's ring? I bet it's just huge. It's it- huge. With a halo and with pave, a pave band. Really? Yes. Like, it's just, a, like, for me, I think that I would way rather have an antique huge stone with a cool, like, antique setting uh-huh. that's more than, like, Stassi got. And it's not even a, re- a weird setting. No, it's a I very don't. standard setting. Then I would rather have, like, Lala's I think Stassi's ring is stunning than Lala's ring, just like a huge stone with a halo around no. it and then a pave band. Like, it's so, like, that Lala's, setting. that ring uh, is a dime a dozen. Our, that ring is a dime a dozen. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe I'm just really picky with rings. I think, what is, what is your ring? What What kind of ring would you want? I don't want any diamonds on the band. I don't want any sort of halo. I just want a big ass rock. Sorry, mom. I have another comment on this. Can yeah. you please make it? No, yeah. I'm on the ring. I think Kristen Doty is a devil from the center of the earth. I think she is the spawn of Satan. Someone's engagement, especially the engagement of a woman, I would say, around the age of 30 plus. This is not a 20-year-old getting engaged to the guy she's been dating for three months and it seems kind of like a casual event. This is a grown woman who's dated a man for a couple years they're about to start their life together it's super momentous you know that they want to like like this is a serious event and Kristen Doty had Brian Carter had Carter send that text the day of the engagement throwing shade dampening this moment I think it's terrible I think it's one of the worst things that someone could do totally agree I think that Kristen trying to make that entire day about her and whatever bs drama she wanted to stir up I think that's like unforgivable it's unforgivable but I did notice we're zooming right now I can see your face there's some moment of disagreement do you disagree at all with my characterization do you like it it was too harsh maybe it's like Satan's cousin I mean I think Kristen is reacting out of sadness and insecurity I don't think that she's like she was born a malicious person I do think that she feels extremely wounded by and it's rightfully so like they're they have every right to not be friends with her but I think that's the place that she's reacting from and that is like just generally sad I agree with that I just think wreak hell the next day totally you can why like if you're gonna lash out lash out not an hour after it happens. That's why I said it's unforgivable because yeah. that to me is you saying, I don't actually care long-term about our friendship. I just want vindication in some way. I don't care about you mm-hmm. and you getting to celebrate this moment. All I care about is myself. Yeah. Like she was gleeful that Carter sent that text yeah. and I'm not buying that she didn't know about it. I'm not buying that she thought the timing was off. She was behind it 100%. 100%. 
Yeah. Can I also talk about how crazy people are online really quick? Did you see people comment about Britney? Um, okay, Britney said that she said, I, I wish, I wish Lisa oh. had put together a party like this for me. Yeah. I, I would have been better to have a party, not in my apartment, but at Lisa's house. That'll be the first and last impression I ever do. Yeah. Um, Rotten hail. <laughs> Rotten hail. People were livid that she did that. They, I saw one comment and it was like, this is the real Britney. Like people thought. Really? That's yes. So people funny. were like, yes, Britney is a selfish bitch. <gasps> and like all this stuff, like br- people were going off on Britney. Britney is the most faultless character on the entire show in my opinion like she's an she's not like necessarily my cup of tea but I don't I don't think she's like truly ever done anything actively malicious to anyone I read the comments on this on the remark before I actually watched the episode so I was expecting her to just like be pouting and just be like I just can't believe Lisa didn't give us this party and Jax has worked for just as long and like be truly awful about it and it was just a sweet innocuous comment it almost sounded like she was just like oh this is so special I would have loved like like it would be a way like oh I wish I met my wedding was at Windsor Castle it's stunning like it's it's something I would have uttered in like the salad bar line as I'm just like chit-chatting with somebody you know just making small talk ah I wish I would have had this sort of thing that's it hundred percent I just think it's so crazy that there's this this army of people who are say, making comments like this is the real Britney on Instagram. That's wild. It just goes to show people are literally out for blood at all times and we all got to watch our backs. We sure do. Anything you want to say? Anything else on VPR before we move on? No, I don't care about the baseball game. Oh my gosh. No, not at all. Should we dig into some... Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Ugh, please, can we get into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Dying to. This episode was, it truly, like, I don't know that the editors had any work to do that day because it just, it it outdid itself. The cast, their spouses, everything. Perfection. Oh, they brought it. My, the episode really started for me when Mauricio appeared in a towel. I'm not <sighs> gonna lie. Okay, I would like to talk to you in serious sister talk. How do you feel about Mauricio? I know he's had a troublesome past. I know he, there were cheating allegations, probably true. How do you feel about him on this day in in May in 2020? First of all, I don't believe a word of the cheating allegations. You don't believe a word? Do you? I just feel like when there's smoke, there's fire. I disagree. I actually met a random person in a cafe in LA who told me that Kyle Richards had 20-year-old boys who she was hooking up with and giving them wads of cash. I think really? you think yeah. Lo- Mrs. Lovebean is the cheater. No, what I'm saying is I think that there are crazy rumors fly in LA. I didn't believe it for a second when that person told me that, and I don't believe it now. Okay. Um, I guess I just think I don't I don't believe it. I think that their love is super real. I am such a Mauricio stan. I know. I know. I mean, I wouldn't say that their love is not real. I definitely think their love is real, but I I don't know if he's completely blameless. Which maybe really is in a you know in a marriage that that's lasted that long, but I can't help but fall in love with him every season a little bit more. I love that he gets high all the time. I think he's adorable. I love in the agency parties he throws at the house. I would like to be invited to one. I would work it. I would cater. I think you're at the point where you're going to be invited to those parties. I don't think you're going to be, oh, you know, serving bruschetta at them. <laughs> Once again, this is going to be a hard mindset for me to break. 
I, yeah, I don't. I think I think you're, you got to get out of this mentality of like <laughs> maybe they'd let me sweep the floor. Oh gosh, I'm Oliver Twist S H I T. You in your mind, you will always be Annie, just like mm-hmm. with a mop. So Mauricio in a towel. Okay, honestly, I feel like I need to speak in hush tones. I love a season one Mauricio, um, with a ripped body and you know a smile. He's still in great shape. Yeah. I I love that they call each other love bean. It's dorky. It's sweet. I do really think he loves Kyle. And I can tell. He loves Kyle. It's so sweet. They also are such a family-oriented. That sounds really cliche to say. But they truly are a family that love being a family. And I think that's really sweet to watch. Their entire dynamic is so real. Mm-hmm. And he, he really is the most likable husband on these shows. Ugh, by far. Far. He clearly loves Kyle. He has no interest in the spotlight other than advertising his company. Like he truly <laughs> is a supportive husband. Totally. I... So speaking of supportive husbands, oh pr- my protective gosh. husbands, Chandler. I think this was maybe one of my favorite, new favorite moments of all time, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. When Aaron is asked about what he does. And he launches into a diatribe that you need an Israeli security group to unpack and understand. You need Black Cube to basically break that code. Is it Black Water or Black Cube? I don't know, whichever one Harvey Weinstein used. Totally. When you need the same level of security as Kim Jong-un to carry mm-hmm. out your everyday business, you know you're onto something. But however, when your business is so top secret, there are people following you <laughs> because of the threat you pose to mm-hmm. mega Be- industries. Because of the results you give housewives in Malibu. Yeah. I don't think that you're also talking about it openly while being filmed for a national television. I mean, that for me was where I just really thought, do you think we're dumb, man? You know you're being filmed. Also, for the record, I would just like to say it is Black Cube. Black Cube is an Israeli intelligence group. So Can you look up what Black Water is? I will look up Black Water right now. Okay. So this is what happened. They're all at dinner. And someone asks Aaron, Denise's husband, what he does. And he launches into a diatribe about the fact that he does basically energy healing. It sounds like a even more bullshit form of Reiki. <laughs> he speaks to atoms, nuclear power. You know, he's, he talks to all the space that exists within atoms. Yes. You got protons, he, neutrons. The best electrons. Part about, electrons. The best part about all of this is that as he is speaking... Mauricio is just nodding along, drinking in every single word. Every, I mean, should we just read it? Should we read the transcript? I would love to read the transcript. Also, oh God, Lauren, Blackwater is also another security company that was started oh by former Navy SEAL officer Eric Prince, and it was renamed as uh, XE Services. But wow. Anyway, so there's Black Cube and Blackwater, depending on what our listeners are interested in. Both of those services are available. Incredible. We'll probably need them after this podcast. Definitely. Okay. okay. Do you want to read it or do you want to take turns? Do you want to popcorn? Yeah, let's popcorn. How about that? Okay, let's do it. And that'll be fun. Okay. Aaron's dinner party speech. So someone asked dinner at the table, Aaron, what do you do? Aaron says, everything you've been taught about how disease process and stuff works is not true. I have to be careful. Age of 12, I was living next to the largest nuclear facility in North America. I watched everybody die of cancer. I couldn't understand why we could split an atom with sound and cause a nuclear explosion. If you look at an atom, there's lots of space, right? Electron, proton, neutron, whatever. 
So there's a lot of space. A lot of space, right? 99.9% is space, but it's oscillating at a frequency that appears to be real in our reality. Does that make sense? Traditional isn't traditional. It's allopathic. Allopathic. It means alternative medicine. Look it up. It's all a measurement of the electromagnetic spectrum frequency. I break down stuff so you can heal you. I don't heal anybody by the way I remove blocks, discord information. I ruptured my Achilles tendon. I regrew it in two months. No surgery. How is that possible? There's cancer in every one of you right now. Cancer happens all the time. And then people start saying, should we be talking about this because of big pharma? (laughs) Aaron says, I have people following me all the time. Denise comments that there's mystery cars all the time following them because of Aaron's healing. Then Aaron continues. Do you want to know why cancer comes in? Because it's protecting you of infection. Your immune system could not respond to it. And you would have died in 12 hours. It's your best friend that protects you from somebody that was going to shoot you in the head with a bullet. (laughs) That's what cancer is. I'll prove it all day long. We can split an atom with sound, cause a nuclear explosion, kill people. You can't figure out what's cancer? Lisa Rinna says. What about the common cold? You have no no idea what I really do. (laughs) Here's my favorite moment of that entire speech was when he uttered to himself, she's protected. What did that mean? And he <laughs> Wait, said, just said, she's protected. Because someone asked about their safety. Yeah. Because someone was talking about Denise. And he either said, like, you're protected, or he said, she's protected. Don't know what that means. Don't know no what clue. plans he has in store. I don't know if Blackwater or Black Cube has Denise Richards, like, on lock. But she's protected. Yeah. Apparently, Denise Richards and her Ugg boots and her tank tops and her messy buns and her Casamigos Reposado does not need to worry about strangers and Honda Civics coming after her. That's she's what protected. She's it, protected. It had shades of going clear to it, of Scientology. Totally. Um, it had cult vibes it had you know delusions of grandeur it really just checked all the boxes for me at least in what I want to see in television I'm not gonna lie Chandler I did a lot of research about this company this morning like a oh lot did of, you I did a lot of research this morning for the podcast and then I got my car to run a quick errand and like I had done a lot of research that morning and and been thinking about this company a lot and it was so strange did there you were least- actually a lot of people behind me and following me a lot of people like like it was a huge amount of people behind me but I was also on the Starbucks drive-thru so I'm not really sure like (sighs) I mean I just you can't take any chances I don't think anything's a coincidence in this day and age totally I have a theory that I don't know if you know this but Boeing had to lay off thousands of people because of all this and I don't think it's because of COVID I think it's because they had to you know free up the cash to buy some of Aaron's machinery and skills oh Chandler Chandler that do you think Bill Gates is in on this 100%. Bill Gates, (laughs) Elon Musk, like all the big names, all the contenders, like it's just, and they're all meeting at like the Denver airport. No, they're all in Malibu right now, probably at Aaron's house, conferring on how they're going to triage this emergency that he's let the cat out of the bag on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I mean, it makes sense that they got that chintzy rental in Malibu because it's like it's hiding in plain sight you know like you would never expect a international secret to be like hidden there you'd never expect an international secret to be in a bungalow of sorts their strategy to keep it under wraps was really sophisticated until the moment he let it out on national television until he forgot about it all at the dinner party I just want to say on a slightly more serious note that I just think that Aaron is a total snake oil salesman and a professional conspiracy theorist. He's basically saying that he can cure cancer, right? Yeah. 
And what infuriates me about this is that the entire premise of his business is that the entire healthcare industry is made up of bad actors who are fooling the public. Because if his techniques really worked, there would be published papers on it. There would be whistleblowers in the medical community trying to get the word out that there's there's a lot of space in atoms and that you can cure cancer. All I want to say is like, how do you know they're not out there and we're just, you know, being shielded from their truth? I will tell you why I know. Because I think that for this entire thing to be possible, the entire medical community would really have to be made up of people trying to deceive the public, but instead it's made up of people who have sworn an oath to protect people and save people even at their own expense. And for me, it's actually like a huge insult to the medical service providers in our country who are suiting up in PPE and treating people for COVID-19 and putting themselves I'm and putting themselves at risk when we get to stay home. Like it's a, I think I just think it's an insult to all those people when you when someone makes out that entire industry to be built on lies and how not do you know, science. But Lauren, how do you not know that COVID wasn't just invented to bury this entire story? Like, oh. how, what's the timing I, of COVID versus this episode being released? Like, are we just okay. examining all these facts? Okay, you know the emoji where the brain explodes? That's what's <laughs> happening to me in this moment. Chandler, Chandler, Chandler. I'm, I'm just scared. scared. I'm scared. You just uttered words. We really, we, we need to get Blackwater. <laughs> Blackwater needs to come to our apartment because we're breaking the news. Oh my gosh. I'm like, kind of like sweaty right now. Let's just move on to something else. Let's I move on. Can't I, talk about. I feel spooked. I feel scared. Yeah. yeah let's just move forward. Should okay. we speak to Roni a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about Roni. Um, sorry to the FBI agents listening in my computer. We'll get back on track now. Hello. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's we talk just, about Roni. Chandler, I don't think that's true at all. I think that I think that I think that people should still be buying medicine to treat their cancer. I think that big pharma is amazing. I just want to say that. Okay, she loves big pharma. Good to know. Just trying Good. to keep get them off our cases. Totally. Love huge big pharma girl right there. Oh my gosh. Prescriptions are really what it's about. Ah, I love prescriptions. <laughs> yeah. Drugs, opioids. <laughs> Okay. Okay, Roni, should we dig into it? Yeah, Roni, I don't have a ton to say. All I will say is that Sonia's line wasn't terrible. Like, I actually thought some of the dresses were cute. And hearing that they were all under $250, music to my ears. The fashion show itself could have been better produced. But the clothes are actually what I would call a product market fit, right? Mm -hmm. It's products that actually Sonia's market can afford and would want to buy and like. Unlike yep. most of Kyle's line, Tinsley's dress was so was totally cute. Tinsley's dress was great. I also loved Dorinda's like blazer dress. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Here's oh one more thing I want to say. Leah's baby daddy. Thoughts. Um, you go first. Not gonna lie, I was expecting him to be hotter. Definitely was expecting him to be hotter. Totally feel like she gives off a cool girl vibe and like she's only into like pretty you know hot guys she's really cute I just definitely would have expected that you know who Leah's baby daddy reminded me of Jesse James or whatever like random tattoo artist that Sandra Bullock dated who like cheated on her a bunch and is totally trashy he reminded me of that guy which I thought was you know interesting that Clearly, they have some sort of draw for women. Fun fact, I actually, Sandra Bullock moved on from her skank of a husband. 
to a really hot photographer. And I ended, I he had a private Instagram account, but I was I did request to follow and he did accept. And I did follow him for a little while because I wanted to see like low-key pictures of them together. He didn't have yeah. any on the account, so it was very disappointing. Ugh, this was worst. probably in 2016. The you worst. Know, that's funny. That reminds me of do you know who Chance the Rapper is? Yes. So Chance the Rapper's girlfriend, like probably four or five years ago. I found her on Instagram. This was before like she had his baby and like before they got married or anything. I found her. She was private. I requested to follow her. And then like I got to see them. They were like actually broken up at the time when I found her. And I got to see them like rekindle their romance through her like pretty private Instagram. And then um, now she's like, you know, verified and whatever. But it's kind of cool when you get in on the inside. Oh, it's very cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another facet of Leah we got to experience on this episode was her baby daddy and her talking about her alcohol issues or relationship with alcohol. I don't know. I learned like, what do you think about the way she's kind of like handled it and her being sober for nine years or her not drinking for nine years and then deciding to drink again? I think that whenever people in your life hear that you're drinking and decide to stop talking to you, they're trying to send a message that you have a problem and you're making a bad decision. And so I think that this does shine a light on the fact that her relationship with alcohol is not necessarily as casual and chill as I think she's trying to make it out to be. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that it's a clear indicator that it's maybe not the best decision. I think we're going to probably see her and Luann struggle with their relationships with alcohol this season, which is sad to see, obviously. Um, yeah. But it'll be interesting to watch, certainly. Yeah. Um, really quick, I did some research on Tinsley because I didn't know anything about her and I came across a Reddit thread. I don't know what spurred this, but basically I was just sort of Googling like, you know, young Tinsley and she was like a total socialite. Like she essentially was like a Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian on the Upper East Side. And I mean, obviously she comes from like a lot of money and like, you know, pretty blue blood. She's like related to Thomas Jefferson and then some famous whatever early early American lawyer guy, Mercer, Thomas Mercer. Interesting. Yeah. It's hard to imagine like her ancestors being pilgrims because her ancestors to me, they seem more like more having a Dolly Parton vibe than a Betsy Ross crocheting the flag vibe. Okay. Okay. I'll accept it. With that said, should we write it out with some reviews? We officially have two new reviews. Incredible. Thank you. Incredible. thank Thank you. So nice. And you guys, honestly, it really, really helps us when you write a review on iTunes. It's literally the, it's a major way to help the podcast. It's the only way our podcast can grow. And we're just two bitches trying to make a buck. So writing a review, it really is so helpful. So thank you so much. Let's, let's just get, let's give them some, some time. Let's shine a spotlight on our two latest ones. Okay, the first one is by our dear friend, Kelly. Kelly, who we both worked with at Communal Restaurant in Provo. Shout out, Kelly. Kelly said, number one pop culture podcast. I wouldn't trust any other trio of women to serve me my weekly dose of celebrity news, gossip, and most inner feelings on the lives of the Kardashians. A must listen if you are in desperate need of good chill time. Thank you so much, Kelly. Kelly, she's the best. She's the best. I just want to be sipping hot cocoa with you on a cold morning in Provo right before brunch service chatting about Glossier. And I wish you were, I wish I saw you more. So love you so much, babe. Love you, Kelly. Okay. Um, Our most recent one is from none other than Ben Bolton. 
the man who I made his birthday all about myself, he has clearly looked past this flaw in me and he's left us a gorgeous review. He said, this is the only podcast I truly look forward to new episodes. Every week I'm eager to hear what new hobby someone's stealing, kind of rude, how the job hunt is going, and of course what's going on in pop culture. Come for the reality TV pop commentary, but stay for the laughs and the god tier, god tier dynamic of these hosts. Really gonna miss Megan. Shout out Megan. Aw, shout out Megan. We do not deserve you. I love you so much. Thank you so much, Ben. And thank you for surrendering your birthday to Chandler so that she could, you know, have an amazing Monday the other week. Yeah, I was like, thank you so much for surrendering surrendering your birthday to my self-discovery. Truly a sacrifice. Anything else for the week? No, we'll just, you know, episode six. Episode six coming at you. And, you know, let's just see. Hopefully we'll have this baby up Tuesday at midnight, Wednesday we're, morning. We're rapidly approaching double-digit episodes. How do you feel? Elated. Elated. Okay. I'm terrified. (laughs) Well, I'm sure that's how our listeners feel. Terrified and elated. (laughs) Terrified and elated. We will see y'all next week. We'll see you next week. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at popapologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus' wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books found in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley, and I'm Jennifer Chaikin, and we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group, and hosts of The Shrink Chicks Podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the cycle babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey.